Welcome to Barrel Share Podcast. It's beautiful about that. How are you, everybody? This is Nami here with me today, as usual, is T-Bone, co-host of Barrel Share Podcast. Welcome, T-Bone. G'day, Nami. How are you today on this fine Sunday afternoon? Mate, I'm good. I've had a had a little splash earlier on and um, took the kids out for a little a little paddle after that. So it's been a good day today. It's been a bit, bit of a couple of little onshore waves around. Have you uh, got your new surfboard yet? I've got it yet, mate. But um, still waiting. I've uh, I've had a chat with um, my mate Corey from Corey Surfboards, and yeah, it looks like they've got a bit of um, issue with glasses over there at the moment. So that you know is what it is. You can't. Uh, I think it's going to be worth the wait when it does come. Corey Surfboards for all your surfboard needs in Victoria, Torquay especially. Um, yeah, so hopefully it'll come at some points. Um, Mate, there's been a bit of news today in the surf industry in Western Australia. What Can you fill us in on that, T-Bone? Yeah, mate. It looks like um, uh, I think a lot of people are starting to see a, um, a, a reemergence of a very iconic West Australian surfing brand, West. Used to have a uh, quite a few West suits when I was growing up as a grommet, mate. So, um, that was a Rockingham-based company, wasn't it? It, it was. Um, so last month or the month before, West signed up Taj Burrow to the team. Haven't heard is, of him. What's, he, what's that guy's name? Taj Burrow. Taj Burrow, mate. Yeah, yeah. Local West Australian legend. And I just saw a pick recently with uh, another WA surfing icon uh, wearing a West sweatsuit. That'd be young Jay Davies, wouldn't young it? Young Jay Davies, yeah. So it's great to see some locals wearing West, um, and it's awesome to see uh, such a fantastic product coming back into the scene. I was actually speaking to Mitch Thorson last week. G'day, Mitch, and we'll hope to get you on very shortly for for a chat about um, how you know your role in the in West currently. So yeah, it was uh, sick. Mate, I think we should um, get all the boys on board and for a, a bit of a West West special with uh, Taj, um, Jay, and also Mitch Thorson. It'd be good to get those, all those boys in together. They can tell us about the uh, all the new suits that they're producing and their their sort of vision for the way forward in the coming coming future. It should be really good. Sounds good, mate. I, I know locally if you're looking for a West uh, suit, um, the board store in Dunsborough. I think they they're quite they're exclusive actually. Stock them. There you go. We'll have to uh, we'll have to hit up the boys for a bit of uh, a bit of some sampling so we can do some testing on their on their suits. But we can we can cross that bitch when we speak to me. Yeah, but so we're going to um, actually um, catch up with a a, a an ex pro surfer who was actually sponsored by West back in the early days, Wayne Jaggard. Wayne Jaggard, especially if you're a West Australian, you're going to know that name. He was a bit of a uh, bit of a. Uh, yeah, it's a bit of a local legend back in the day, wasn't he? But he sort of spread his wings a bit further than that. I know he sp- spent some time on the uh, national stage. He's certainly competed in a few of the big events. Uh, he's been to Bells a few times and that sort of thing, hasn't he? Yeah, he's surfed in a lot of um, pro contests. So, um, yeah, he'll have a few stories to uh, tell us a little bit later on. Um, Wayne actually... Um, he, uh, he had sort of Mitch under his wing there for a little bit. Um, so I'll let Wayne talk talked about that story but yeah Wayne yeah originally was was Wes and then um yeah I think he moved on to Billabong after that yeah nice all right well uh with that there's not too much to talk about with the WSL where they've uh they've postponed postponing everything haven't they they've haven't really given too much information it's um I don't know I probably thought they could have let, let everyone know a bit about what's going on I think even the surfers are a bit bit in the uh 
dark about what is happening, but um, yeah, it's uh, what's the next call? July, July the first, isn't it? Yeah, the first week of July, I believe, is the next call about what's happening. I still think, personally, that it's all over for the year for the WSL. They might do the triple crown, but yeah, I don't think they'll be um crowning a world champ this year but that's just my thought mate in the meantime we'll just have to um watch uh guided tours or pro surface uh houses and uh <laughs> and see if we can get another cooking segment on tell you what those hawaiians like look like they live pretty well don't they it's a <laughs> nice land and just uh waves out the front and that sort of thing looks pretty good yeah everyone seems to live beachside in hawaii yeah bring it on i guess if it's small islands everywhere you're gonna be doing that good on them it's uh it's good to live near the coast. We certainly do here, and um, it's the way to go if you can. That's for sure, mate. There's been some obviously been some uh, protests happening on a global scale, and I, I wasn't really going to bring it up, but uh, I, I, you know, I was pretty appalled when I saw those surfers walking out in Santa Monica surf shops, surfboards oh, under yeah. their arms. Huh? Are you kidding me? Aren't you? How lousy was that? That is yeah, pretty low. That's, that's exactly the right word, lousy. It's just absolutely lousy behaviour by. Entitled white people, yeah, we won't we ain't going too too much into that sort of thing. But that's that, yeah, that's bullshit. Come on, boys. Shapers work very hard to deliver our sports, and you definitely should not be scarping, taking them from the surf shops around the place. So, yeah, hopefully we wouldn't see that sort of behaviour in Australia. But you you never know, do you? Yeah, mate. No, it's uh, it's awful. I mean, things are starting to lighten up slightly on the uh, coronavirus down in our way, which is good. Um, the borders have opened and hopefully the local businesses will... Well, the intra-borders, not the state borders. Intra-borders, that's right. Yeah, intra-borders are open and uh, hoping the local businesses can, um, yeah, start to make a make a dollar. Yeah, it's... um Obviously, it's been, it's been a really weird time. It looks like New Zealand's pretty much gone. We're, we're up and about and we are... Pretty much full full uh, restrictions lifted, except for their international borders. So they've, I think they've got a couple of week, uh, rugby games on today with crowds of forty thousand plus, which is a nice position to be in when you've got no cases or no active cases in your country. So yeah, good on you, Jacinta. You fucking legend. I was having a look on the Smart Traveler website today, and basically there's no international travel for anyone. Um, so. Yeah. There'll be no international travel for quite a while by the looks of it. Yeah, I mean, there's talk now of uh, the Olympics being postponed or even cancelled for next year. So, who knows what will happen in six months' time or a year, but we'll certainly uh, yeah, be keeping an eye on it and hopefully it all comes good. Get a vaccine out there soon and we can move on with things. But um, yeah, anyway, let's uh, let's get Wayne Jaggard on the phone and have a bit of a chat with him. Looking forward to this one. He's a really interesting cat. And um, yeah, here he is, Wayne Jaggard. Okay, so I'll give Wayne a call. Yeah, I guess we just keep carrying on, and I'll just edit this out unless I forget. And people are going to go, "What's this? What's this crap?" Listen to. Hello. Wayne Jaggard, it is T-Bone and Namo calling from the Barrel Surf Podcast down in uh, sunny Dunsborough today. Is Dunsborough sunny? No, mate, it's been pissing down rain and it's howling onshore, but we love it. We got a, we got a cold tin in our hands, 
So, mate, we are recording. We, so, I hope you got a, a cold tin. Yeah, I just uh, have a. Knowing that you boys are from down that neck of the woods, I got myself a colonial pale ale. Oh, mate, oh, how good, man! How fitting. So, so Wayne, this is Namu on the other 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 line here. Hello, mate. How you doing, Namu? Good, mate. How are you? Good. That's good. the way. That's the way. We should actually. Um, I guess the right procedure is to say, are you okay if we're recording, mate? Because we are. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I'm okay with it. Yeah, nice one. We're, we're pros at the Brailshead podcast. <laughs> so, it's all right, Wayne. So, we'll we'll kick it off. We've got a beer in our hands. So, it's great to have a chat, chat with you, mate. And thanks for coming on on um, this Sunday afternoon. Mate, so let's um, let's wind the clock right back. and uh, Wind it back. Wind it back, mate. Tell us when you sort of got into surfing as a grommet, as a young kid. Where and when? <laughs> I grew up in Morley. Morley? Is, for those people who might not know, it's a sort of inner city suburb famous for its break and enters and... and <laughs> roller skating. And, and, roller skating or and muggings. <laughs> and ice, there, was an, uh, there was a roller rink there. Yeah. But yeah, I was... I was um, more into the mugging. <laughs> I was I was just really good at uh, stealing stuff and <laughs> uh, breaking into people's houses. We used to break into people's houses to eat lunch. We'd go in there and <laughs> we'd, we'd break in and we'd sit down and make sandwiches. It was have a cup oh, of tea. Yeah, a cup of whatever you get. So did Mum but, and Dad yeah. take you down to the beach from Morley, or did you catch a bus? Well, so what happened was. Mum and Dad divorced when I was young, and they were they lived in North Beach. So I spent my first few years of life swimming around North Beach, and I loved the ocean. And then Mum remarried this uh, redneck guy, and we moved out to Morley. And I never saw the ocean for about six or seven years. Mate, it's not that and far. Then, <laughs> it is. It is when you're nine. <laughs> especially these days, it's pretty close, isn't it? But yeah, when it's you're close. nine, yeah, it's when you're nine, yeah, you don't have any access to. You know, we we just couldn't get around back then. And then mum uh, remarried John, who you've met, mm-hmm. Tyrone. Mm-hmm. And we moved out to the suburb of Marmion, which is, you know, coastal, when I was about year five, I think. Mm-hmm. We were still, I think we still had a house. I think we were still living in Morley, but I was going to school in Marmion, so I'd mm-hmm. have to wait to get picked up at yep. the beach at Waterman's Bay. Oh, nice. So it's, I'd sit down there in my school uniform, you know, those first few months of the school year, waiting to get picked up, and then I just got the shits with it and went um, went body surfing, waiting for mum to come and get me. Yeah. And occasionally people's boards would get sort of washed in and I'd grab one of them and try to surf it. <laughs> so that's how it started. A couple of first I'd, I'd basically steal it. I'd steal a board. Yeah. Because I was still basically a thief. I <laughs> hey, do you remember what your first actual surfboard was, mate? The one that not a style on one, but the actual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a. Well, it was a morning mist. Morning mist. Okay, morning who showed that? Mist. I don't know. <laughs> single uh, fin, mate, or your twenty? Yeah, um, I, yeah, no, single fin. Singly. And then I think I had another single fin that I bought off um, guy down the road, and it. I liked it because it had a leg rope. <laughs> flash one. So not yeah, a sock, an actual one. leg rope. <laughs> yeah. And then um, 
I don't know, a couple of surfboards later, I got a Cole Adams twin fin. Ah, Cole. That was Classic. that was the first one I really sort of remember what it was and what it looked yeah. like. Yeah. And it's and as you, I mean, when you got your new surfboard, you were mainly surfing, um, Miami, mate. Look, look. Yeah, around around Waterman. So there's Waterman's Bay first reef, and this other little wave called Gravis, and Gravis. Yes. Surf, yeah, Gravis. So we'd go straight down after school and and surf it or sometimes before school yeah and then when i was i think i was in first year high school year eight i met um matt manners yeah classic yeah. he was he was in my class and um his brother paul was sponsored mm-hmm and so what high school are you talking about was it kareen yeah kareen yeah okay so we we used to hang around Paul because Paul got free fucking surfboard. <laughs> free shit. Yeah. <laughs> we were just like going, you're fucking kidding. Someone makes these and gives them to you. Like we, I don't know, we'd steal shit to sell just so we could buy one. <laughs> and he had he had all these free ones, so we'd hang around with him. But I just remember surfing, surfing there with those guys for, you know, almost every day. Classic. Every day through the winter, summer, didn't really matter. You would just sort of get out there. And, out there. Muck around. Yeah, Matt Manners. I've never met Matt, but I'm pretty sure he's living in Margaret River, shaping surfboards. And yeah, yeah, he does. He lives in Margaret. You'll see him most days in the Mar- in the Margie's car park. He'll go there every morning without fail mm-hmm. and check it out and um, have a surf most days. He's good. Loves it. Loves it. Yeah, still loves it. Yeah, and Paul Manners is. The, we were just talking about West before Wayne, and I, I yeah, think, I think Paul had a finger in West at some stage. But I, <coughs> yeah, I, I remember so, meeting Paul at your wedding, actually. But um, yeah, yeah. He, so Paul, um, Paul was a sales rep initially, and then he ended up um, becoming the international sales manager for West, and did quite well out of it. Uh, but Paul's always been very good with his money. Some might say frugal. Some might. Say, <laughs> Fucking tight. Cobwebs in his cobwebs in his wallet, mate. <laughs> but yeah, so he's he's living in Greystown. Yeah, classic. So speaking of Wes, why not? Um, so I know that you were you were sponsored by Wes. Was that your first sponsor as a as a surfer? Uh, uh no, no, um, no. One, I one cop. Um, I was talking to you the other day about uh, was that the Cordenley, the Cordenley Pro Cordenley, Junior. Yeah, and so if you won it, you got a fucking surfboard and a wetsuit, which was sort of like the most incredible prize you could get as a surfer. Oh, Timo was telling me about this, and I said, "Mate, it's still an incredible prize now." Let alone, <laughs> I don't oh, know, little one, yeah, nine and fucking ten. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I remember um, I got. That and then, um, and then it was uh, Tom Blacksall who owned a company. Yeah, I remember who, Tom Blacksall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he sponsored at that stage. His company was the shit. He had um, Paul Cunningham and Benton Moran. Yeah, of course. Wow. And um, they were sort of like older and better, and people who I looked up to. So I ended up. I think. I think that's probably why I went and swung song that way and went with those guys and then um mick mccauliffe was also there who would have been a bit older than you as well yeah oh yeah 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 but it was um i think that was the first time i was actually getting getting free stuff so that was so after you won the quarterly pro junior um 
So do you remember some of the other pro juniors in, in that event? Um, was there any sort of well-known sort of juniors that went on, mate, made um, a career out of it? I remember in that event was Jody Cooper. Right. Jody. Yes. Was she surfing in the open, in the um, boys? No, no yeah, so this was the little guys. This was like the under-15s, and I remember, I remember she was in that. Oh, really? And... She was the only name I remember at, from from back then because I really just didn't pay any attention. Yeah. Um, I wasn't really even there to – I was only there because Matt and Paul were there. Yeah, yeah, just following your mates around. Yeah, I was like, fuck it. Might as well go in. And, um, yeah, that, so that was all I really remembered was, was her being there. I remember it being massive. It was during winter and it was huge and I was too scared to go out. But, you know, Scarborough, big fucking trig point. Uh, trig point. <laughs> Pumping. <laughs> but I, I remember you, t- you were telling me the other day how uh, you spent a bit of time over at Rotto with Mitch and uh, he used to drag you out of yeah. uh, drag you out there when it was pretty large, huh? Yeah, yeah. So I'm not sure how much long after that. It wasn't, you know, a matter of a couple of years, I suppose. I'd done a few, few more events and he kind of took me under his wing and his parents owned the bakery there and uh, I remember spending a, a bit of time on the island with him and yeah, him taking me out. Big, stricko. Star, have you ever surfed Stark Bay? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a couple of times. Yeah, it's big Stark Bay. I was probably 14 or 13. It's the heaviest wave. No, I was young. Isn't it? So... Yeah, it's probably 13. I broke my ribs over there and I had to stay there because I punctured my lung as well. <laughs> So I had to. I was, got so nailed. Sort of got fucked up. Was that at schoolies or actually surfing, mate? No, it was just surfing with Mitch. Yeah, yeah. Him being him being a bit of a prick and like just pushing me into these <laughs> closeouts, saying, "You know, you'll thank me for this one day," and, and that kind of thing. He was really good for me, though. He he was really, as a young young kid, you couldn't hope for a, a better guy to sort of put you under his wing and show you the ropes, sort of yeah. thing. So nice I've got nothing but good memories of him as a young kid growing up. So they had the bakery there. They give you any free pies? Oh fuck you! So you'd, there was no cars on the island back then. There was only the baker's van, which Mitch drove, and we just drive around to all the surf spots. Oh, and then oh how good would that be? Yeah. By the time you finished surfing, you'd come back and fucking out the back with the hot bread. Oh, it was yeah. What an experience! Happy you know? days. Imagine that. Having a, how the fuck Mitch is it? Fat as fuck. Well, I suppose he is now, but <laughs> I haven't seen him in person for a while. Maybe he is. I don't know. He's blown out a little bit. I saw him uh, not long ago, but fuck, he should have been monster. <laughs> <laughs> Having access to all those cakes, cakes and pies, fucking pies, cakes, fresh bread. Yeah. So, mate, you were like thirteen, fourteen at that stage. So, fast forward to like sixteen, seventeen. So, did you sort of? Were you entering sort of junior events sort of on a regular basis or are you still following yes. Paul and Matt? No, following Paul and Matt. Um, and uh, because I'd won that that one comp, I sort of felt obliged to then go in the next couple of comps, which I won as well. I, but just, I don't know how and why, I don't recall ever being able to surf any good. But You must be doing something, right? Something. No one else was any good either. So, <laughs> Mate, so guys, you're doing yourself a disservice. That was no, no, some pretty no, hot no, days. Those, those, I've those given guys. it a little bit of thought over the. I've given it some thought, mm-hmm. and 
I just don't think that I was fucking that good, but I ended up winning. Um, I won the state title, and oh, then you were good, mate. Don't talk went, fucking shit. To went me. to go, had to go to the nationals. Oh, here's a good story for you. So my, oh, I went. So that same year, I won the state title. We go to Sydney for the the national titles. What do year? Do you remember what year? Oh, it's just eighty three, I reckon. Eighty three, eighty. Yeah, 82 or 83 it was my first one. Mm-hmm. And I was there in 80. Yeah, I reckon this was 80, maybe even 80 fucking one. Yep. No, it was 80, about 82. Right? Yep. And we, it's down in um, south of Sydney. You know that break Marub- they call or Cronulla? Or... No, no, it was way down. It was like pipe. You know that pipe? Aussie pipe? Or? Aussie pipe in Jarvis yeah. Bay. Yeah. Oh, it, it was down that, there. Yeah. Dr- driving through the forest and. I remember it being quite a journey to get down down that neck of the woods, mm-hmm. closer to Wollongong, really. Yeah. And I was in the car with Mitch, you know, because he'd put me under the wing and and someone else, one other guy. But they pulled out this massive joint on the way down. <laughs> and I sat, I was in the back and, you know, didn't want to look like a pussy. So definitely had, you know, my fair share of the... Of, of the joint, and then I remember getting out of the getting out of the fucking competition site, and just not even really. This is the national titles. National titles. was this the, the were you a junior in the national titles or? Yeah, this was cadets. This was under fifteen. So yeah, oh, cadets. Yeah, okay. Wacky backy on the under fifteen. That's a bit rough. <laughs> <laughs> bit fucking bit rough. Get there, and you know it's fucking pumping, and I'm first heat in the water, and um, yeah, I couldn't even. Put my fucking wetsuit on. Think. <laughs> <laughs> this is your first national titles as a cadet. Yeah, first one, first one, first heat. Oh, first classic! Time. And yeah, I had no idea. I couldn't even barely paddle. So I, I remember getting last in my first heat, and that was it. <laughs> All over. No repper charge. No, back then. Uh, back then, you lost. You were gone. Gonski. And I think there were, I think there were six man heats. I think if you finished in the top four, you got through. One and two went further on. Three and four went somewhere, and five and six went home. Yeah. And I, and I was, I was six. So yeah, okay, mate. <laughs> Covered myself in glory. <laughs> Any lessons learnt from that, mate? Did you go on to other other national titles? Yeah. So the next year I did. Yeah. And the next next couple of years I did, and and finished. Um, Made the finals each time I went. Yes. Um, I think. Uh, so. What sort of age were you then? Were you still in the cadet division? Yeah. So I finished. The next year I finished fourth in that division. And then the following year I got put up to the juniors mm-hmm. at the, at the Aussie titles. And that was on the, on the Goldie. And, um, I remember over that stage there was three rounds, so they'd have basically three comps, and um, at the end of those three comps they'd have the top four ranked guys, and they'd put them out in a final. Mm-hmm. And I remember I, I won one of the rounds, and I think, I think I finished second in, in another one, and maybe not nowhere in the third one, but I had enough points. Overall, I finished first, so it qualified for the final. 
which was held at um, was held at Kira, and it was fucking pumping. <laughs> Sick. And I remember only catching two waves, I think, and you know didn't even think about I need to go and paddle out and get another one. I just rode these things down around the corner where no one could see that you were even going. Two tens. Come, come from come from Perth. You get a wave like that, you're not. You're not playing no fucking competition game. <laughs> <laughs> fucking rode it to the Goldie almost. And then, yeah, so I ended up coming. I think that event I got, so the final part I got last. But there was some really, I was a bottom major, so everyone else was older. Yeah, and, and that was that a national time. national titles event as a junior. Yeah. and Who, so, who were uh, some of the guys that were sort of um, winning those comps ahead of you at that point? I remember in that in that final there was Damien Hardman who was older. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Rob Bain went on to win two yeah. world titles. Yeah, Rob uh, Bain, the good mate. I think he was in it. I can't remember who else. Um, yeah, and me, and that's I think what kind of got um, got me sort of up to that next level was doing well at, at that event on the Goldie. First time I can really remember actually thinking about what I was doing. <laughs> so at that point, you'd say you're a junior. So what, 16, 17? Uh, I was 15. Yeah, I was 15 that year. And um, were you still cadets, in school? Yeah. So the cadets was under 15, but you can't, it wasn't 15 and under. You had to be under 15. So I remember it being my first year in the in the juniors, which was under under 18, I think. And, yeah, I wasn't expecting to, to go very well at all. But I don't know. I think the waves suited me or something. Just Pocket yeah. Kira. Yeah, that would do it for you, wouldn't it? Yeah, and went to, where else did we surf? Cabarita, which was good. Nice. They had it at Duran Bar a little bit. I mean, who can't surf good over there in those waves? Fucking yeah. hell. Perfect right-handers. Yeah. And so yeah, after after that, Wayne, um, you sort of moved. Um, did you sort of continue your sort of competitive surfing? Or did you sort of start to do more of those pro junior events? Yeah, a little bit after that. Um, there wasn't a heap, not like nowadays, where there's a junior series and you can travel around and do ten events or mm-hmm. whatever. There was there was still junior events, but there wasn't heaps of them, and they were all over east. Um, so yeah, you'd go over and, and do those, um, which I did and went with a few other, you know, boys from WA and just sort of hung out and surfed the comps and then came home and never really gave it, you know, a whole lot of importance. It was just, it was just being in a different state, surfing with your mates, you know, it was not, (laughs) it was nothing more than that, nothing more than that at all. And never really was, it was just, you know surfing hanging out with your buddies some fucking pretty fun guys to hang with like guys like richard kelly who was a super guy to be around and um matt was there and yeah it's just surfing with your mates it's probably a little bit different now you know you've got you've got a lot of parents now that are quite invested in their young their kids parents are like... invested <laughs> yep so you got you got parents you've got coaches you've got these you know You've got not only your own personal coach, but your sponsor's coach. Mm, that's right. You know, just on coaches, mate. Did you did you have any coaching when you were sort of surfing as a 
during your time, like when you were um, surfing competitively? So not so much. Yeah, it was. It was. So, um, so later on, later on, Billabong sponsored me and put me on the um, on the world tour, tour sort of program, mm-hmm. and they paid for they paid for everything like flights, accommodation, transport. And I, I was six. I was still sixteen, so I didn't have yeah. a car. You're couldn't drive. Yeah, and so they had Derek Hind, who's an ex-pro, mm-hmm. and he was he was our manager slash coach. Yeah, and so he he got he so sort of sorted everything guru. out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was he was great to hang around with because he was you know so intelligent and you learn so much just from listening to him talk. And because I was the youngest, I was the youngest person on that tour at that point. He would kind of look after me a fair bit and he would definitely coach I think in a way but he'd write notes in a book mm-hmm. every wave he would give a description of what you did on the wave and how he rated it which was either very poor <laughs> up to excellent yeah yeah <laughs> and Too he'd film high. it as he would film it as well like yeah. he'd have a little he had this fucking handy cam thing which was about the size of a uh, suitcase and <laughs> have it on his shoulder and he'd be filming you and and then he'd, he'd write down sort of what what you did it was it was pretty good like, i've still got all the footage of that he kept it oh classic and then and, and sent it to me so it's six just... 16 sponsored by billabong when was your first sort of international trip away with billabong um yeah so you know that event i was talking about up on the gold coast where i think i came fourth um, I came back and then I got a call almost straight away from Gordon Merchant, who owns Billabong, yeah. telling me that he's going to send me to um, send me on the world comp circuit back yep. then. ASP? The next event was, yeah, it was ASP. Yeah. And the next event was in Cape Town. Cape that was about a week. So were you, were you still at school at this week. point? Uh, yeah. I was still at school. So off on the sort world of, tour was, while still at school, uh, amazing. I was kind of in and off, out, in and out of school a little bit because I was away a fair bit and um, you know wasn't really doing a whole lot of meaningful study, <laughs> and decided that maybe it wasn't going to be for me. And then when you know he rang and said, "Listen, this is what we want to do," I said, "Yeah, okay, no worries." Oh man, had had about a week, but you know I was just one of those typical. Typical grommets whose bedrooms were full of all, you know, posters of surfers and all, all my surfing heroes were sort of stuck to the wall. And I remember going into the departure lounge. A lot of the East Coast guys had already caught the flight to Perth because we were heading to Joburg. And mm-hmm. yeah, they were already sort of traveling together. And I got into the departure lounge, and there's fucking Tom Carroll and all those guys sort of sitting there. Barton Lynch, I'm going, whoa. <laughs> Those guys are so on the fucking would. wall. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sixteen to unreal yeah. in live. So, um, oh, by the way, you're listening to Barrel Surf Podcast. We've got Wayne Jaggard with us live today. Um, mate, so this comp in in Cape Town, where do you remember where that was held? What what? Um... I, I do, I do. It it was a place called the Crayfish Factory. I know the Crayfish Factory, and T-Bone certainly knows it very well as well. It's just just down from Sir Howard Bay, I think, if I'm not, not, not mistaken. Yeah, so they held it 
there and also out of com. Um, but I remember the crayfish factory um, day was fucking massive. Yeah, it's a big, big wave joint, isn't it? Yeah. And I didn't even really want to go out. <laughs> I was fucking petrified. Um, I remember, I remember um, just going, what do I fucking do here? You know, what board do I ride and what's my approach? I was super frightened. And uh, I got a, um, I got two tens in my first heat. Fucking <laughs> what? Crayfish factory? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I got, got, and I don't even remember. I could, I'd like to say, you know, I could give you a blow by blow description of what happened, but I, I don't remember. Um, back then, it was best best four waves, but I had two tens in my scoreline, and I can't fucking remember. All I remember was catching a wave and just trying to get to the channel <laughs> and, and not get fucking hurt. But um, that kind of got, uh, you know, written up in tracks and all that sort of stuff. Oh, nice. Because I was from Perth, and everyone thought Perth And 16. Was, yeah, yeah. But it was nothing more than just being, being scared, I think. You know, trying to get to the, <laughs> trying to get to the channel as quick as I could. Well, Crayfish, I yeah, I mean, I haven't, I haven't been to South Africa, Jesus, mid-90s, but I do recall Crayfish Factory as a very heavy, deep, dark... It was heavy. It was fucking monstrous, and it was heavy. They were calling it 12 foot. Oof. I remember it, that. It's that deep, dark Atlantic Ocean and lots yeah, and of it kelp. Yeah, it Yeah. I, I, didn't, I only surfed it once because I spent a bit of time in Cape Town, and... Um, no, I think it was uh, six to eight, and I was absolutely terrified out there. So I, I can't imagine what it's like at twelve. And then um, also, you look in, and there's this abandoned factory. You know, it wasn't operational. At least it yeah. didn't look operational to me. It looked it looked dilapidated. No crayfish for sale then. <laughs> but no one was no one was even there because the place was too. No one walked on the beach. No one fished. No one did anything. Yeah. It was just such a frightening place to be. <laughs> And then you you couple that with the with the fucking gaze of all of these professional surfers who are stuck all over your bedroom wall, and you got to go out there and fucking surf in front of them, yeah, in a place the, where you just don't want to be. Yeah, it, I was, don't, it was really terrifying. Did you re- really? Terrifying. Can you recall? I mean, that was a bit of a highlight. You remember who was in that heat? We got two tens. I mean, you smoked them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember at all. I mean, it just. My memory really isn't that good. I'd like to be able to give you some names. Yeah. But, oh, there was a guy called. I remember there was a guy called Mike Newling who was a. He's South African. Uh, South African. No, he's he's a Newport guy from um, Sydney. He was, no, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember too. looking at him and thinking, "Fuck, you're going to be fine," because he was about six foot four. He was just like covered in muscle, and I just thought, "Fuck, this isn't fair." You know, look at me. Look at you. <laughs> Rudolph. I was like fucking 62 kilos, 65 kilos tops. Yeah. He would have been 95. I just thought this isn't fucking fair. Yeah, you would have needed a bit of a weight to... But it sounds like it didn't really matter, mate. Yeah, it was good, good experience, that's for sure. And um, just we drove, we drove up after that to, um, to Durban, oh. which was a really good experience as well. Driving through the, you know, the countryside and yeah. checking out what what went on. Oh no, we went to J Bay. Yeah, I was going to well. say, did you stop in J Bay yeah. on the way up? Yeah, where there was an event at J Bay. Was that the was that the country feeling event? Yeah, the country feeling. Yeah. 
Now, was that 84? Yeah. Was that the year when Oki was going absolutely ballistic on yeah. his backhand? Yeah. So, Oki was Oki's with uh, Billabong as well. So, um, there was Team Billabong, which was Oki, Gary Green, um, Mitch, and they wanted some kind of development project young kid, which was me. Yeah. So, the four of us with Derek. No way. You know, travelled everywhere together. Epic. Yeah, so I... Yeah, he was my roomie. And, um, you know, spent a lot of time... All, all my time with those yep. with those guys, yeah. But he was he was next level out there. Oh yeah, that footage in '84. Uh, I mean, he's got a bit of a reputation as just a you know all time phenomenal backhand attack. Mate, have you yeah. got any funny stories about Ock during that trip? <laughs> well, he's just a funny human, you know. Like <laughs> everything he does is kind of is kind of weird and and funny. I didn't really. Um, it wasn't until a little bit. Oh it, yeah, I got a funny story. It was um, so when they picked me to travel with them, he was he wanted Richard Marsh, uh, his young buddy from uh, Cronulla, oh, to yeah. to come with him. Yeah. And when they picked me, he was he was pissed, you know, and <laughs> and he was off me. And um, I remember after that. Um, the heat where I got those couple of tens, he came up, you know, in his funny voice. Yeah, I wanted, I want a dog out here, but nah, you're better than dog. <laughs> <laughs> Too you're right. Hey, Alex, come in. <laughs> Fuck you, dog uh, mash. <laughs> after that, he was, he was really good fun to be around, and yeah, he's quite a character, really. Doesn't he? Doesn't mean to be. He just is. Yeah, he just is. Yeah. Have you um have you spoken to him lately? Uh, in the last I, I don't know however long. No, no, I, I've um not had the opportunity to do it. You know, I'm not super active on social media platforms or anything like that. Um, I was going to see if you knew anything about the um Mad Max wave pool he's got going on. Fuck, I, I know. <laughs> have you seen it? What is that the one with the big pump in the middle? Yeah, yeah. big fucking like a plug plunger. Big plunger, yeah. The big plunger, yeah, like a big plunge. No, I don't know anything about it, but if he's got anything to do with it, it sure would be funny. <laughs> <laughs> He'd make it somehow funny. I mean, the concept sounds good. Apparently, there's four peaks uh, left and right. So, it's you know, it's what's me mass? That's 16 potential waves that you can take off on at any one time. So, I guess it caters for a big, big crowd, I guess. We- and where are they? Where have they got that? Uh, I don't know. I think it's up like Gympie in Queensland or something like that. It's certainly, it's certainly the north of sort of Brisbane, I think. So yeah, yeah, right out in the sticks, got some land, and get some Mad Max wave action going on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how's Slater's pool? Fucking crazy. Did you watch the uh, the comp there last year? Yeah, Which, I did. What do you reckon, mate? Because they dropped trestles and they replaced it with the pool. What's your sort of opinion on it? Oh, horrendous decision. I mean, I think most people would love to surf it, um, but it sounds quite unanimous that from a spectator's point of view, it's, oh, I can't say it's boring, but it's well, it is boring, monotonous unless, to a certain ex- unless you degree. Get someone like Toledo in a heat. Yeah, you know where where he really does do things that are completely different. You know, everyone else just seems to be doing 
you know, exactly the same thing. Yeah. Uh, I think it's really hard to separate scores. You know, the, the judging criteria is fucked in the way ball because it, you, people just can't do much more. than it, They're all at the same level apart yeah. from Medina and Toledo. Yeah, being, being light and having the ability to just have airs on lock must be an advantage in that sort of situation, you'd think. But um, yeah. yeah. Remember seeing Toledo on the left do some kind of air half, end up in Goofy, get barreled. You know, that sort of stuff is, you know, he's just sort of way ahead yeah. of everyone else. It, I mean, it's good to watch, but it's not like watching Chopu where you think, fuck, someone could get hurt here. No, that's right. I, I, I think there's opportunity to run specialty events at these wave pools, whether it's an air, air contest or... Yeah, just a, a bit of a novelty, novelty type event. I reckon that'd be cool. Hey, just on wave locations, just your um, experience traveling and surfing in, in events. What was some of your favourite places to surf? Well, Trestles was a fucking great place to surf. That would have suited you, fucking to a T, because you're yeah, surfing. It was, it, it's pretty, it's pretty lightweight, you know, and definitely high performance. Suits. Yeah, it's real high performance. It lends itself to sort of almost any any trick in the book. You can you can attempt anything really. It doesn't barrel, but apart from that, you can almost do anything you want. Um, J Bay, you surfed, which is great fun. But you can look fucking ordinary at J Bay. Hey, I reckon you can just. <laughs> you I know get I've caught looked ordinary at J Bay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can, yeah. I remember just being on waves thinking, fuck, I'm holding the ball here. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get a handball out. <laughs> you, yeah, I think you can look at It's great to surf, but it's hard to surf well. I reckon that is something that um, I've heard said, but I totally agree with. Um, yeah, it's really super fun, though. But yeah, trestles is such a great way to surf. Did you surf that? Right. Did you go over there and surf that um, during a contest? Um, we just don't I think so. Yeah, yeah, I did. I, I did. I said press was in a comp. Was Kelly so sniffing around then, mate? We must have been still a No, wrong we one. missed by about a year, I reckon. Because I was done by 17, 18. I decided that wasn't for me. And, um, I think it was maybe the next year or the year after. Yeah, it was pretty close. Yeah, I would right. have been 20 when... I was probably 20 when he was... Sort of making his debut, mm-hmm. and I wasn't there anymore. I was at uni. <laughs> so that sorry, mate. What 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 made you sort of uh, now move back here? Um, what made you think that uh, that you know the pro surfing gig wasn't for you? Was it just a travel or what, what sort of got you? Yeah, that, I think I was I was pretty young when it first all went down, and I missed home a fair bit. I was I was still a kid, you know, dealing with adult problems and. That was difficult, um, and then I just couldn't see a future in it. I, I, I thought, what am I doing? I'm not going to be able to set myself up for life doing this shit, you know. Yeah. I didn't think surfing was ever going to be, you know, the the money spinner it is now. Well, you know? it, it, and even now you have to. Be, that's I mean, right. You have to be right up there to be to be set up, and I just thought, well, I'm young. I can. I've got. I've got options. You know, I'm not locked into this. I don't have to do it. Yeah. And in the end, I just didn't want to do it. Really. 
you know, I just it, thought I, it was too. I, I just thought I was too. Um, I thought I was going to be too B grade to to do any well, you know, mm-hmm. to do as well as what you need to do. You had to really be, well, and yeah, history tells you I'm, I'm from that era. Really, no one got set up for life. No one did. That's quite a mature decision to make when you're that young, mate. I mean, I guess a lot of kids that age would just keep trying to live the dream and keep grinding it out and having fun and traveling. And but you chose to give it away and go to uni. Yeah, just just give it. I wasn't giving surfing away. Yeah, you know, yeah I was yeah. still I was still surfing, and that was what the whole thing to me was about. You know, the appealing part of the whole thing was being in the ocean, and I could do that here, and it's still. You know, be you know, could study and maybe be semi-successful in life without having to use that as as my one and only you know string to my bow. Yeah. Um, I dropped out of school, so I had to go back and and do year twelve mm-hmm. um, before I could go to uni. So, you know, there was a bit of work involved there as well. But I just didn't want to be this one-trick pony and have no backup and. Um, you know, nothing to fall, nothing to fall back on. Yeah, that's interesting. You say that, man. That's that's crazy. You had those thoughts back then, because I'm pretty sure a lot of surfers um, probably regret not having a a backup, or had it, or or went off and studied a degree, or or, or got some sort of future um, after surfing. Um, I'd say this year there'd be a lot of a lot of sort of QS surfers right now. They're just battling. I mean, there's no events. They're not winning any prize money. And with the current state of surfing companies globally, it's there's no money. I don't know if you've been following that, but uh, yeah, you're right. You, if you're in the top tier, you can make a living. But if you're just getting by, um, it's it definitely pays to sort of think a little bit longer term. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, Wayne, do you mind sharing what you started at uni? Is he still there? You there, Wayne? Hello. Looks like we've lost Wayne. We'll try to get him back. I'll try calling back now. On the telephone. Two seconds. Calling now. Bring, bring. Lights out. We lost you, buddy. <laughs> We're back. We're, We're back. back, mate. Yeah, I don't did know you, what happened. Did you, did you hear T Bone's little monologue about uh, things, or no? I heard. Um, I heard you, a question about what you studied at uni. Oh, that yep. was far, beautiful. Was that as far as we got? I think yep. it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I went and studied uh, um, a science degree at UWA. Oh. Um, majoring in human movement, so I was into. I got an interest in the, uh, the human body and how it worked, and um, the biomechanics of movement and efficiency. I suppose was really interesting to me. Efficiency of movement and people who did it well and people who didn't, and that sort of you know, how it correlated to elite sport. Unreal. That was really, really what I was all about, and which was really good, you know. Later, when I was thinking more about you know, coaching a couple of promising juniors, I had a, a real 
scientific biomechanical approach to to that philosophy rather than a tactical or mental approach it was mm-hmm. more the movement side of things yeah crazy. which i still find fascinating you know I, I i look at sports people and some people just do it so easy you know you look at some footballers they just look totally relaxed you know scott pendlebury is a good example yeah yeah you know, everything so he does is just such you know so easy for him to do and i just wondered why you know why is that so Mm-hmm. How come this these guys do it so easy? Mm-hmm. And surfers are like that. You look at Kelly, you know, you know, 48, yeah. 49, still going. Joel, Par- Joel Parkinson was probably, you know, biomechanically just so perfect. You know, everything he did was just easy, mm-hmm. efficiency of movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was a that was my sort of study background. But um, to turn that into a dollar meant that I had to go and teach PE in in the high school. So that's where I'm at. You've been doing that now for at least 20 years now, hey? Yeah, still enjoy it. Yeah, it's good. Just going yeah, back Just going back to coaching, um, in your early days, mate, you did some surf coaching. You sort of took a few young local WA grommets under your wing. Yeah, I was really lucky. I went through a good, a good little era. Um, remember taking... Uh, Yaden Nickel and you know, Jay Davies, guys like that away who, who are from your neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. Uh, seeing them at 14 and, and watching them watching them progress and the ability that they have, you know, and quickly came to the realisation how, how much harder it is, you know, these days than what it was in my day where, mm-hmm. you know, you could the, – the, the schedule was you could go – you can go to any – pro event you wanted to mm-hmm. just had to enter and go into the trials and get through the trials and yep. if you got through fucking 20 heats of the trials you're in the, the main event kind of thing mm-hmm. but now you know there's a whole qsct division which makes it a lot harder that that year that i was in um cape town there was this dude from sydney who won the lottery Sick. and um he, him and his he took him and his mate on the tour that's what he did with his money. Nice. He, he, he fucking won forty. He won forty grand or something, and he got flights and the accommodation and went in every event. But they just were on the fucking program. They were into anything that was going. And so he was entering the events. He was entering the events, oh, but uh, they were coming last in every heat. But they were fucking on fire. <laughs> <laughs> funniest, funniest fuckers. Having the best uh, time ever. Always, yeah. Always on it. Always having a great time. I remember we were staying um, in Durban in this fucking high-rise. We are on about the 15th floor. And he's, he's walked in, had the windows open. He's walked in and dived straight out the window <laughs> to the curtains. And, he's gone. and, and um, we've all, there's probably 10 blokes in the room. Everyone just went silent like, fuck, he's dead. He's Over gone. The gone over the balcony and he's hanging off the edge oh, of the balcony shit. with his ha- on with his hands you know just gripping onto the edge of the balcony dangling off mm-hmm. la- and laughing going look at your faces look <laughs> at your fucking faces <laughs> mate we thought you covered off because he came last again he <laughs> <laughs> give a fuck so yeah, it's a different um different setup so it was much easier i think you could you could go along to any event and get lucky yeah w- you're right, but- 
Yeah, sorry, mate. The Eric Logan, who's now the CEO of uh, the World Championship Tour, just announced re- earlier this year some changes to the formatting of the CT, the QS. Um, I don't know if you've you've sort of been following that, but for the Championship Tour now, um, as you know, like during the year you accumulate points, and basically whoever got the most points was crowned world champion. Now. Yeah. You um you basically surf the year. You do get seeded, but when you go into that final event, it becomes a bit of a surf off, which is quite you know similar to an AFL Grand Final series where you can finish eighth on the seeding, but if you're good enough, you can take it out. So, so it's kind of live all the way through. Yeah, Western Bulldog style. Yeah, Western Bulldog style. So they want to replicate. I I think when they had the the Italo Gabby World Championship final heat out of pipe so they're going to start that next year um what are your thoughts of that final day surf off you know you've been sort of surfing all year um and i guess there's an opportunity for a, a lower seated surfer to actually win the world title what do you think of that um a bit unfair i think um if you've been the dominant person all year and then you know Fucking have a bit of a shocker, and Jimmy Crack Corn comes up and beats for the world title. <laughs> I think you'd be a bit dark. No, I'm, you know, with, I'm I, with you 100%. And I, and I also think um, that tour is flawed in a lot of ways because, you know, the whole QSCT thing. If you are a, if you're a QS surfer and you go into a, a CT. 10,000, is that what they're called? Yeah. Cha- the big ones? Well, the challenge, yeah, Challenger Series at QS 10,000. So. Yeah, so the cha- so the, the 10,000. So the CT surfers get seeded to, what, fifth round or something? Fucking stupid, fourth round? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's they, right. It's certainly so right, they, right deep into the event. They get seeded deep into the points. And the QS guys, you know, might get seeded a round or two. If they want turnover and they want, you know, they want to give opportunity to people who are further down the rankings, they should cut that shit out. You know, there's no reason why a, a CT surfer should get seated into the the highest seating round that there is on those ten thousands. It's just an unfair advantage. You know, they should start from fucking round one. Yeah, it's a good Not point. Round five. Yeah, it's a good point. The um the CT surfers do tend to get the advantage, but I, I guess the question is, do they deserve it because they've got to that point? But yeah, I'm I'm not well, sure about that one if, as well. Well, if they well, if they're good enough, they don't need to be on the Q, on the QS, do they? Yeah, well, that that's exactly right. That's exactly and right. If they're borderline, well, then they should be, you know, working their way through. And if they're getting seated, getting seated on their on their um, on their QS points, mm-hmm. you know, not their CT status. I don't think they should be seat, should be able to double dip like that. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's an interesting one as well because a few years back they used to have the the CT guys used to be able to use I think it was some of their CT points towards the um QS qualification. There was something along those lines back in the day, but yeah, they uh, seem, look they seem really reluctant. I know. You know, they, they want to make it a product that they can package and sell to non-surfers, and I think that's where you know, the problem lies. It's not fucking basketball. It's not ice hockey. It's not going to have that mass appeal that mm-hmm. I think the current administrators 
want, and I think mm. they could maybe fuck it up by tinkering with it a little bit too well, much. You know, That's just my opinion. I mean, it, yeah, I, I guess if the whole surf off thing doesn't work, then they can always, you know, resort back to how it was before. Um, with the the local sort of region, like the, the local national surfing, um, I think that's good because what they're doing there is they're going to be holding events around your local area, which you can, if you get good results, you can use those points to go then onto the Challenger Series. So if you're if, yeah. you, if if you're a young grommet from Trig Point, you don't have the money to travel to Sakurama in Brazil, mm. you've still got the opportunity to surf locally. Um, we're not sure where they're going to stage these events, but you still got the opportunity to uh, you know Trig Point, Trig Point, yeah. Speaking of Trig Point, mate, Tom's. the Phyllis Shave oh. Tracer Pro and the Surf Super Showdown. I mean, you would have had some good oh, results out of Trig Point. Stop. Yeah, I was too young to shave, so you know, I wasn't that focused on the full of shave. <laughs> the prizes were some fucking electric shavers. I remember um, seeing them and thinking, "Yeah, I don't really sort of have any desire to win a fucking shaver." No, surf on a wetsuit, maybe, but fucking yeah, shavers. Kidding me? Yeah. Um, going back to you just before comment on that, I think. Maybe they're looking at that Mandra Pro and Naturalist Pro, aren't they? Yeah, so yeah, that's QS that's one thousand. Yeah, I was just thinking. Yeah, so the Phyllis Shave Trace that was they were um, the glory days of uh, pro surfing in metropolitan Perth. Mm. There was, you know, all events were held in a metropolis around the time I was doing it. There was no. Probably, probably half, half the problem for you, mate, was you know having shitty beach breaks all around the world. Yeah, it was everywhere you went. It was yeah. just these, these tiny little beach break waves. Um, so yeah, Trig Point Filler Shave Tracer was no different. That was just a good bit of marketing. Some promoters who had a bit of an idea of how to sell a product that happened once and yeah. once only. You know, you never see that happen again. Hey, just going back to your surfing, sort of competitive surfing, who were some of the most ruthless competitors that you came against in a heat? I mean, you obviously were still 16, 17, 18 max. Um, who was, who was oh, but- BL. Barton Lynch. Yeah? <laughs> Straight up. Do you recall a heat yeah. with BL? Yeah, I've had a few. I had a few heats with him. Um, he's, just so, he's just so smart. You know, he's just so analytical and... He doesn't. There's nothing instinctive about his approach. It's all calculated every second of the way. He knows what he's doing, and it's probably not a great um, analogy. But he knows how to put the foot on the throat. It's probably a bit soon to be using that expression um, in the global <laughs> probably, context. Probably is, but that's alright. But that's he would do that to you, and have no. He'd do it to you time and time again, and. Yeah, he, he was brutal. He was brutal. He'd, he'd maybe want to cry sometimes. <laughs> Mate, he comes across as such a, a nice chap when he... Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. <laughs> get, him out of the, get him out of the water is yeah, awesome bloke. Get him in the water and he's... Yeah, he's a fucking assassin, mate. He was the most ruthless there was. Ah. Was he... I don't think... So when you were with Billabong when you were 17, 18, that year, who won the title? Was that, was that BL's year? Or was that Tommy um, Carroll? Tom Carroll. 
and then so the following year, I think uh, still doing it. Um, Pot, I think Potts won it one year. Mr. Mr. Potter, what do you think of his commentary? Was he eighty? Was he eighty nine? He was eighty nine. Pretty sure. Yeah, that was. Yeah. I was a guy was gone by then. Yeah, I think BL what was I think it was. What I think. It, yeah. Uh, so no, I was. It was Tom Carroll. I think he won two. Yeah, he did, Tommy. And then I think Curran won one. Did you surf? Was, did you surf against Tommy Curran? You would have had some. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, it that, yeah, must have been just, amazing for you, like having the posters on the wall, and then um, yeah, surfing against all your all your heroes, I guess, as a young kid. Yeah, it's, it was frightening. You know, you don't. You just think, "Fuck this, I'm done." <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine it would be incredibly stressful on a day to day basis having to surf in that sort of situation. I mean. Just going well, like was, yelling at board riders, I find stressful enough, let alone a CT event. Yeah, against those guys it was. Against people who are sort of closer to my age, there were some good young guys like Brad Gerlach and guys like that who were, who I didn't mind surfing against because I felt like they didn't have this aura about them. They were just people like me. Yeah. But, you know, when you're fucking surfing against a poster, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those two-dimensional ones. Um, I know that Tyron's got a couple more questions, mate. Just getting back to the um, biomechanics of, of um, athletes and that sort of thing. Yeah, this, this is probably blew your mind. I did human movement at UWA as well. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah, back in the day, I, I think I was yeah, there, ninety-one, ninety-two. I didn't finish yeah. it. Um, do you do you sort of see surfers nowadays and just go, look, I can see that the way that your body's moving, I reckon I could give you a couple of pointers in terms of, um, you know, the way that you are moving and to sort of increase the, increase your, your skill level or your uh, your surfing ability? Yeah, yeah, their efficiency, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, you know, and if you, obviously you know that as well by looking at, yeah, especially if you're looking at something that you do yourself, and you've done yourself for you know a number of years, and, and you've got some expertise in that area. You know, you maybe it's your experience in that area. You know, it's really easy to pick deficiencies in in technique. Um, I remember listening to a Joe Rogan podcast, and he said, someone said, you know, you seem to know a lot about everything. He goes, no, I know a little bit about most things, but if you talk to me about MMA, I know a lot about it. Yep. I can comment on that with some degree of accuracy. I think you sort of have a surfing background and, um, you know, you've got that biomechanical um, education as well. Um, you can couple those two things together and make a pretty accurate assessment of someone's technique. Yeah, And yeah. You, you probably know and understand what it takes to rectify deficiencies in it but i've got no desire to do that because it's a, <laughs> i don't know how long that would take you know as a project with mm. someone it would be you know it's quite time consuming and um you'd have to commit to a couple of years of of training you know if it was your son you might do it but yeah, yeah. you're not going to do it for it's just an interesting space in the in the sort of pro surfing world because I know that over the last sort of ten years or whatever they've really sort of got into the fitness and a bit of yoga and that sort of thing. But it seems to be that the, I guess that sort of bio, biomechanical side of things is perhaps the next step in terms of those 
there's no one that's coaching that yeah. knows how to knows yeah. anything about that. And you know, you see, you know, Gabriel Medina's dad whistling and my <laughs> stepdad fucking drop in on him, yeah, you know, burn him or whatever. And um, you know, you got guys who are ex pro surfers maybe giving them some tactical information, mm-hmm. talking to to them through that, but they're the technical and biomechanical side of that hasn't been really touched on. And, Interesting point. You know, if, if the surfing uh, fraternity want to get serious about coaching, they need to employ some you know, specialists, some mm. sports scientists, which they do in every other sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not just ex-surfers or fathers. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you, just for shits and giggles, Wayne, if you're going to look at a, mm. a, a pro surfer on the tour now, um, you know, Looking from a biomechanical perspective, who who would you like to uh, to be your guinea pig? <laughs> Kanoa Igarashi. <laughs> Kanoa, ah, straight up, yeah. straight with an answer. Yeah, he's got some think, flair about him, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah he's got the leverage um, that I think you, you need. He's got a light frame, which is developing muscle. He's got you know nice nice technique without it being perfect and. I think he could be. He could be the one. He could win a world title. Mm-hmm. I think he's. Think? Uh, yeah, I mean. Yeah, I tend to agree. Pretty I good call. Could, yeah. I mean, that's that's a that's a pretty good bet. I think he's currently being coached by Jack Patterson. If I'm not he is, mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll give him all of the competitive, you know, that Barton Lynch competitiveness, that ruthful, sorry, ruthless approach that he needs. And I don't know him at all. And maybe he, that's exactly what he needs. But, yeah, time will tell. Jake's a pretty switched on guy. Yeah. yeah, he's a good coach. Good coach indeed. Out of all the coaches going around, he's probably the best. Yeah. And, and, and what makes you say that? Uh, has a nice way of articulating what um, what a situation requires. I think he could he sums stuff up pretty well and can articulate that pretty rapidly. And, you know, I, again, I don't really know Jake that well, but... Just from listening to what he says, I think he, he's he's quite good at that. Mike Parsons, who I used to surf with and against, he's um, he's sort of in that category as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got a couple he's got on a, board, hasn't he? He's got Lucky Peterson, I think, and a couple of couple of others. Yeah, and he's he's switched on. He's he's but there's no one that has that um, science background. You know, the science of it, the biomechanics of it, the physics of the movement. Uh, what about yeah. Micro Hall? He seems a bit of a scientific little fella. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> I don't know how to switch. But yeah, I don't know. Um, he seems to have a lot in his stable. I, I don't know if he's lost he a does. few, but um, he did have a lot it's, in his stable. It's on the Central Coasters, though. They're, they're, yeah. They're sort of but place. he's a, he, yeah. Without being disrespectful to Micro, I don't, you know, I don't know what his academic um, credentials are and how much he's done, you know, study on on that sort of stuff. It would be great to see someone who's got both mm. do it. Yeah, yeah. I might go give Jake Patterson some tips, actually. Go go see him after this. You're going to go give him some tips? Yeah, some bi- biomechanical tips. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, you look yeah, at it. You look at Ethan Ewing's uh, surfing technique, Wayne. I don't know if you've watched much yeah. of him, but, I mean, biomechanically, he looks pretty pretty fucking amazing surfer. Yeah, this, well, I reckon... For a lay person who's not, not really thinking too much about biomechanics, you look you're wanting to look at efficiency of movement and yeah. you know, you don't want to see 
the part of the body go in an area where it doesn't need to be to gain a gravi- gravitational or leverage advantage. Mm. And that's, you don't see that with guys like Joel Parkinson. Yeah. So flawless style, isn't it? Yeah. Everything's efficient and can, it's natural as well. Mate, switching over to the women, um, any mm. any female surfers that um, that sort of uh, catch your eye? Uh, Bronte. Yeah, she's insane. And um, Carolyn Marks. A question. It, it was on Stab just recently. Um, they're calling Caroline Marks has got the best backhand going around, and I sort of disagree. Oh, 100%. I, well, I disagree. I, I, I reckon Bronte McCauley, after watching her in the first QS over in Newcastle, mm. I think her backhand's pretty bloody lethal, mate. Yeah, so if it's a news article, or where'd you read that? Stab. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that, well, that's fair enough. Whoever, whoever wrote that, that's fair enough. That's a good. That's probably as good a thing to say as any, anything. Yeah, who's going to challenge that? Definitely Bronte. Yeah, for sure. Two years ago at J-Bay, did you watch Bronte surf two I years did, ago at J-Bay? I did, yep, yep. Was it, um, was it a heat against Steph? It was, it was, it was. Was it last year even? I think maybe even last, last year. year? She oh, made the quarters, didn't she? Made the quarters, yeah. Maybe the semis. Yeah. She, was, she was a standout. She was the one. We actually had, she got, yeah. She got ripped off. I think uh, her father, Dave Mack, actually agrees. I think we did actually talk about that heat uh, on the potty uh, when we had Dave on. And, uh, yeah, he felt the same. But I guess um, you can't leave anything to spare in heats. You've got to, yeah. Yeah, I just don't think the um, that was a, you know, a, fair, a fair result at all. Yeah, yeah. My uh, ex-coach, Derek Hind, he lives in J-Bay, and I remember seeing him interviewed or read something that he he uh he said and it was yeah bronte was the one she she was the one that stood out the most classic yeah the interesting one um, of that as well wayne is that um we've sort of kept a pretty close eye on bronte since we started this podcast and um she she's gotten better and better in the last 12 months as well she's really really improved even even more so look out when she gets back yeah i mean her backhand's obviously a weapon but far out she's got Pretty handy forehand on her as well. She can, you know, surf big, small. She can ride the barrel. Yep. Ride the barrel. She's she a pretty good package. Yep. Sensible shit. <laughs> That's why. Got a lot going for her, hey. <laughs> yeah. Hey, mate, just on another note, we're probably going to wrap up pretty shortly, but have you been surfing lately? Surfed yesterday. Uh, haven't surfed today, but yeah, went How you feeling? yesterday. First no reef watermans? No, no. Uh, I went. <laughs> I went out um, third car park at Tree, and it was this big fat thing. So I took out a uh, a learn to surf board. Because oh, I'm the I'm the recent recipient of a titanium knee, so I thought I might try to you know warm up on the old learn to surf board. Because you had a bit of a the... time out of the water, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I had a knee replacement. Yeah, I've got a. I fucked my neck yesterday. I could have broken it. I reckon. I was, <laughs> <laughs> you know, those big fat learn to surfboards, it was, and it was probably three foot trigger. I tried to do this sort of floater kind of maneuver, mm-hmm. and the board was on its rail, you know, facing up on its rail. Yeah. And my head 
hit the my neck hit the rail and my head was on one side and my body was on the other side. It kind of cracked over the fucking rail of the board. And I've been sport <laughs> I've been sporting a fucking straight neck ever since. <laughs> I can't turn left. I'm like Zoolander. <laughs> oh, that's the worst thing when you crick your neck, isn't it? That's no fun. Oh, it's no fun at all. Well I hope but, yeah, oh. I'm down in um I'm coming down in three weeks for a week. Cool, so mate. We'll have to hook up. For, we'll have to hook up and get some waves together. It's been long overdue, buddy. And, uh, and oh, it'll be great. It'll be great. And a chat in person, mate. So, mate, we'll, we'll wrap it up now. Well, uh, thanks a lot for coming on the podcast, mate. It's great to speak to you. You're all around fucking legend, mate. Looking forward to catching up with you and you down in a couple of weeks. Yeah, well, look, I wouldn't expect you fucking. Um, your subscriptions go through the roof after that one, but yeah, it was fun for me as well. <laughs> no, mate, it's it's been a really, really interesting chat, really enlightening um, to hear about some of your stories. And, uh, yeah, really interesting um, about the, the, you know, the biomechanics of surfing, I thought, as well. So thanks so much for joining us today, Wayne. Really oh, appreciate absolute it. Absolute pleasure. Uh, thanks. thanks, boys. Good chatting to you. All right, bud. Well, um, be in touch when you get down, mate. And, uh, yeah, look forward to catching up soon. And uh, keep surfing, having fun, and say good day to the family, mate. Hope everything is sweet. Good on you, mate. See you, Wayne. Well, what a legend Wayne Jaggard is. He's uh, just left the conversation, but um, yeah, what a pleasure having him on board. Um, really interesting guy, wasn't he? Mate, I reckon he uh, undervalued himself a bit. Yeah, um, I, I, he's an insane surfer. And I know back in the day when he was a young, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17, he was hot property. Nah, he was I mean, absolutely ripping. So, uh, yeah, he's. Um, insane surfer still is um such a great technique um and and what a what a head on his shoulders back then to decide yeah, to give it a yeah. give it a give it away and go um get a degree which uh yeah he's that's pretty mature back then and like i was saying before i think there's a lot of surfers out there today that <laughs> probably need to have a backup option so yeah take note of that and uh all those all those surfers just starting to learn don't just stop don't don't carry on with it. It's no fun. Don't do it. Um, good on you, T Bone. Good thanks for hooking Wayne up. He's he's a bit bit of a classic character, I reckon. So great to have him on the podcast. And definitely, uh, mate. Yeah, we'll uh, hopefully have another. Well, we will have another episode for you in two weeks' time. Until then, thanks for listening to Barrel Surf Podcast, and we'll speak to you soon. Take care, folks. Yeah.